At this time of the church year, All Saints and All Souls Day, when the harvest is in and the fields and the gardens return to the earth in search of rest, when the days are short and the nights are really dark, I think about my brother who died suddenly one November at the age of 37. Now, my brother was a brilliant, witty guy who lived life on all burners at all times. And his death was a great shock to his six brothers and sisters. He was the kind of deep Prussian soul of our family. The one who made everybody laugh, but also the one who really felt the pathos of life. The thing about his death that sticks with me after all these years is that they had heard him. That they would refuse to believe that he was gone. They called me and said they heard his voice. They heard him talking to them. They felt his presence as if he were there with them. To my sisters, my brother was not dead. At least in the way that I typically think of the dead. To my sisters, my brother remained with them, helping them make meaning of their lives. As we know, the ancient Celts from whose custom these holy days come believe that all beings, the living, the dead, and those yet to come, were bound together in a mysterious life force and that there were times of the year when these beings would be closer to each other, so close that they could touch. At those times the veil of the world was very thin and the dead walked with the living and with their gods. This time, the time after the harvest but before the deep winter, was one of those thin veil times. The church chose this time for all saints and all souls for that reason. All Saints Day is the way we celebrate the idea we have that in the midst of death there is always hope of new life. It is the way we understand that the green shoot rises from the old dry root and then becomes the dry root itself and begets a new life. It is the way we understand that the old plants die to give nutrients to the soil so that the new plants will thrive. Farmers and gardeners know that they can predict what will grow three years from now based on what they're planting now. And so it is that the present contains the future as well as the past. Every Sunday, this group comes here and calls ourselves the blessed company of all faithful people in our prayer of thanksgiving. That blessed company is the communion of all the saints, the saints who have gone before us, we who live now, and those who will come after us. It is time-bending and mind-bending, but it is what we believe, that we are all connected together in God, and that there is no place or time and now that God dwells with us, he is bound together in the same way as we are. This communion of saints, this communion of all of us, those who gave birth to us and those to whom we give birth, is the place where heaven will be on earth. Where the kingdom of God will finally break through the thin place and peace and justice will prevail. In the Gospel, Jesus reveals his radical agenda for this kingdom. 
the kingdom will be manifest, he says, when those who are in charge are the servants of all, uninterested in private gain, poor in spirit. The kingdom will prevail when we put righteousness and mercy above suppression and control. The kingdom will not be made up of priests and scribes appointed by powerful imperial government. It will instead be made up of people who are meek, who mourn what is necessary to mourn, and who give their lives to the pursuit of justice. In other words, the kingdom will not be ruled by human power with all its problems of greed and power lust. Instead, it will be powered by the Holy Spirit. And it will look like a community of believers, like the communion of saints. Saints are the friends of God, after all. Today, the kingdom of God seems like a wonderful dream, which is further and further from reality. Hungering and thirsting for no good reason, let alone justice's sake, is the growing condition of the world. Three billion people, half the world's population, live on fewer than $2.50 a day, and 80% live on fewer than $10 a day. In fact, hunger is the number one cause of death in the world. I could go on, but you've read the news. Today, it seems to me that we have this wonderful, sacred, mystical life force we call the communion of saints, and we have this terrible, profane, annihilating death force we can only call evil right beside it. What does that mean about us? Typically, as your deacon, I would say that it invites us to go into the world with all the zeal we can muster. But today I hear the gospel in a different way. The great simplicity of the Beatitudes, have mercy, be meek, seek justice, make peace, reveals the message of Jesus. No longer does the kingdom of God belong to those appointed to sit in temple living on the money of the poor. No longer does the kingdom of God belong to those whose idea of justice excludes certain classes of people or who seeking for peace entails the suppression of basic human rights. Nor is it true any longer that death is final. That death means the end of life and that the division of the dead from the living. As members of the communion of saints, we have everything that we need. We are the beloved of God, knit together in love through the resurrection of Jesus. What we have that the world needs what that giant evil machine of death and destruction slowly creeping across the face of the earth needs is the power of God, the power of love, within and among us. We are the sacred gift of God to the world. In us live on the love, the hopes, the dreams, the accomplishments of all those who have gone before us and the possibilities of all those who will succeed us. Think of it. The apostles, the martyrs, the prophets live in us. There is no one and nothing else coming. We are as good as it gets. And since we are the children of God, as John said in the epistle, that's pretty fabulous. But how difficult it is to treat ourselves as the treasure we are sometimes. 
How we forget that we are the healing love of the Creator pouring down on the broken heart of the world. I don't hear my brother in the way that my sisters do. I know he's with me, but many days I miss his laughter in my life. He had this way of getting the whole room going, you know, even if it was really tragic. But I think my sisters are onto it when they talk about what they've heard him say. Because what they do then is to bring all that love into communion and everybody feels better for it. The dead and the yet to come are with us, praying with us, loving us, buoying us up so that we can shine the light of God in the dark places. This Eucharist we celebrate today is the way the church gives us to remember, really remember deep in our blood cells that we are in the resurrection of Jesus completely united. As we say in this Eucharist, we are heirs through hope of the everlasting kingdom of love. And that is all we ever need. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.